if I can call it glam rock type of thinking behind Freddy's uh, approach. The crest includes the zodiac signs of all four of these band members, and they start to find who they are philosophically, which I think is extremely important. Their lyrics start to have this consistent flow. And, and, and I don't know that they were personally committed to these things. That was just the just where they found inspiration as a band. The idea of, you know, what that song's talking about. But Freddie actually picked that. So this is one of the, I think, the first song that, that, that Freddie picks up and, and turns into a hit. In my opinion, there's a tug for his soul going on. And one of the beings here is mentioned later on. Mamma Mia is used by Italian Catholics to mean the Virgin Mary. There's a truth about Queen that links back to what we are talking about earlier of this broad appeal of Queen. And there's a line that Freddie says to the promoter. And he's saying, what does Queen offer? And they think about it. And Freddie looks up in, you know, in the movie presentation. He looks up and thinks about it for a second. And then he says... You mentioned prog rock, and the idea of prog there is progressive. And you could look at that as just musically, but I think there's something philosophically going on there as well. It's overturning the system and, and breaking down barriers and... Hello, and welcome to Philosopher Rock. I'm GK, and this is episode 13, where my special guest and myself will discuss Queen and more, but specifically, we're going to be talking about Freddie Mercury. For more episodes, just go to our website. For more episodes, just go to our website, likeflintradio.com, likeflintradio.com, or our YouTube channel, Philosopher Rock where you might be watching this right now. And if you want to contact me, you can email me, philosopherrock at gmail.com, philosopherrock at gmail.com. Okay, to this episode. My guest is Graham Gould, and he has come on board to give us some of his thoughts about the philosophical underpinnings of a couple of Queen's tunes and to discuss Freddie Mercury. Now, Queen and Freddie will need little introduction for the majority of, if not all of you. But just briefly... Queen are a British band formed in 1970 and still active to this day. Over this time period, Queen have released some 15 studio albums, have had a number of hits, and perhaps a world-changing hit, that of course being Bohemian Rhapsody. We're going to discuss that song and a couple of others as we go through this episode. I hope you enjoy it. It's not an all-encompassing show, but I'm sure there will be plenty here for your entertainment and consideration. Let's go. Well, welcome to the show. Um, I'm your host, GK, and you're listening to Philosopher Rock. Now, this is a different take on Philosopher Rock because we're having another special guest. We've had them before. Uh, special guest this time is Graham, Graham Gould. And so we've got Graham on board, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Queen. Um, and I think with a focus on Freddie Mercury, is that fair to say what we're going to be doing, Graham? Yeah, I, I, I think Freddie, it, it, I mean, it's difficult not to focus on mm. Freddie when you discuss Queen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your musical background, because um, like I know a little bit, 
But um, so you're you're actually a musician yourself. Tell us a little bit what you know your background as far as you know the music world goes. Yeah, so I'm probably a a, a little bit of a different Queen fan than than many Queen fans out there. I'm not so much a fan of of rock music and so forth. I grew up in a fairly conservative Christian household. Um, opposed to rock music was my my upbringing more the Bing Crosby, you know, what gets called old time melodies or old time music um, and classical music were the primary and, and you know, then symphonic type hymns and, and hymns in a more traditional style was more my upbringing. But, yeah, I started learning organ, I think it was grade five. Um, I went to a music teacher and, and learned to play the, the organ, the electronic organ, um, and my father would help teach me at home as well, make sure that I practiced, which I hated. Um, but now I appreciate it. I appreciate that, that I've been given that gift of, of, um, being able to play. And because I learned organ, I've taught myself to play piano. They're sort of related skill sets. So I can play keyboard, piano or organ, um, to some degree, mostly for church, but. <laughs> so yeah. So, okay. So it's good. It's good to know. Um, cause it is a little bit of a different take. Queen fans and people that are interested in Queen, um, do come from all walks of life. They are, um, mm. one of those bands that, uh, I guess over the last, well, it's 50 years now, isn't it? Um, you know, they're just an um, amazing act and, um, garnered a lot of attention. And, um, in a second, I'm going to ask you how you came to that, but I just wanted to tell, <laughs> tell you, I don't know if you know this, but, um, the very first record album on vinyl I ever bought in my life was, uh, Queen's A Night at the Opera. And mm. so I started, started then as a kid. And, um, and then, um, I had this Queen t-shirt, um, that was, uh, you know, the black t-shirt with a sparkly Queen logo across the, the front of it, you know. And, yeah. um, uh, I wore that everywhere. Like I was just a huge Queen fan. Yeah. Um, and, and walked around in this shirt until it basically fell to pieces. Now, it's funny that Queen logo, um, uh, you know, as a kid, I had no idea that, you know, sometimes Queen can be a euphemism for something else. But, <laughs> you know, I, I had no idea. Um, yeah, I was going to say to you, you want to make sure that you add huge Queen fan. on the, the Yeah, 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 I wasn't a huge Queen. Um, but I, but I, I absolutely loved Queen. And they were, were you know, because you, when you're a kid, you have your, this is my favorite band. So Queen was yeah. my favorite band. Um, and that faded a little bit, uh, well, I'll be honest, it sort of faded, probably drifted away from that about maybe 30 years ago or more. Um, but I've always sort of kept an eye on them and had a bit of a listen, but it sort of faded away. Um, now we're going to talk about that logo soon because there's some interesting points about that. But so my interest started in like, um, 1975. Yours is a lot later, so tell us a little yes. bit about your interest. What happened? Yeah, I'm a much more recent convert, if you could call it that. Um, so pretty much the movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I went along to it. I was interested in it. I enjoy movies, and I thought this would be interesting. It would be interesting to see what they bring out in this and then start researching uh, Queen. You know, I, I was aware of Queen, and I knew how big a phenomenon Freddie Mercury had been. Um, and I had some familiarity with, with Queen's songs, but the, the movie alerted to me to songs that I didn't realize were Queen. Um, and then other songs as well. And, and so that, that started me on a bit of a Queen kick. Um, and so I started researching, you know, 
mostly YouTube documentaries, but a bit of Googling and stuff like that. And the movie touched me. And there, I had a bit of an emotional connection with it. I like to some degree I could relate to to Freddie Mercury. And yeah, it, it just had an impact on me that um, that fascinated me. And and still does. Yeah. Okay. So, um, like I said, we're probably going to be talking about Freddie Mercury mostly here, but y- you know, mm. the, the you know the hand in hand, I suppose, um, Freddie and um, and Queen. Uh, but I'll just point out that you and I aren't setting ourselves up to be experts here. No. We've both just said we're fans, right? That's really all we are. Um, we're not going to have it. We're not going to have all the information, and some of the information is going to be opinion, and it's really just for you know for your our listeners' listening pleasure and and uh, interest. So uh, I'll just say that right now because you know you don't want to set yourself up as an expert because we're not. So we're just saying we're fans. But um, so you know we know a little bit bit about Freddie. I know it's widely known that you know. Before you go to that, I just want yeah. to point out, you, you mentioned the, you sort of hinted at the broadness of the, the Queen fan base, yeah. and it's fascinating. Like, you know, we're part of that broader Queen fan base. It's a very diverse fan base. And the Guinness Book of Records lists Queen as having the largest fan base in the world. Okay. And I think that's part of the reason is how broad their appeal is. They, they crossed a lot of musical genres. They moved around a little bit in, in what um, genres they they attempted to represent, and and they didn't restrict themselves. They, like you know, they got a lot of labels, but they were quite diverse in their musical style as well. So I think that's part of the reason for the, their diverse appeal. I think that's right because you know you, you you think of them. I mean, the first thing you read is you know probably prog rock, you know rock mm. pop. But they're much, much more than that. Yeah, well, um, they're glam know. rock. They're also considered yeah. sort of, it's not quite heavy metal, is it? But they, they sort of did go there. Hard rock. Their crazy little thing called Love was, was pretty much Elvis. Um, you know, and, and you listen to that song, you think, well, how's that not Elvis? Well, it's not. It's Queen. And all sorts of other things. That, and Bohemian Rhapsody is probably the prime example of mixing styles into one song. Right, um, right. I mean, that's it's a fascinating piece of music. No, it absolutely is. And then you've got things like, um, you know, lazing on a Sunday afternoon and um, things like that, which are sort of uh, mm. almost vaudeville type things. You know, like a vaudeville. Yeah, like almost, a show you know? tune. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is a good way to look at that one. Um, and it's funny, I do like that song, as strange as it sounds, because I like my progressive rock, I like my rock, but, you know, there's a lot of their tunes I like out there stuff. Yeah, I really like that. But what I was going to say to you is, um, so, now, he grew up, now, Freddie, getting back to Freddie um, in particular, he grew up in a Parsi household. Now, my understanding of the Parsi is they were uh, people who uh, had migrated to India from Iran um, after the Muslims had taken over. So they were sort of descendants from that. Uh, and they were Zoroastrians. He um, was it born in Zanzibar. Uh, I'm not sure where he was born, but his father had a job in Zanzibar. He worked for the British government. And then when Zanzibar got independence, right. they were pretty much drummed out. There was a lot of violence and, and they, they, um, they escaped with nothing, um, and moved to Britain. Yeah. I think what happened was in my little bit geography's right. I think Tanganyika, Tanganyika and Zanzibar became um, the country near, we now know of Tanzania. I think yes. they, I think that's what happened a, a while ago. But as you said, then 
because um, then he had lived some time back in India, hadn't he? He'd actually gone to... Well, he went to a Zoroastrian school, as far as I know. It may have been run by the British, but they, they taught Zoroastrianism. Okay. What's the quick version of what Zoroastrian... Yeah, what is it? A quick version. Good gracious. Um, so I, I didn't spend a lot of time studying Zoroastrianism, but basically the idea that I have is that there's essentially two gods, a good god and a bad god. And the good God is the, the ultimate creator God, but evil in this world comes from the bad God and they're sort of warring and eventually the good God would, will win. So Christians might look at that and go, Oh, that sounds like what we believe. Um, but there are some significant differences. So the, the supreme being is Ahura Mazda. Yeah. And, um, and I think the evil, I can't, I can't pronounce the evil's name, but it, it, is it like a force? Is it like I, a force I, or I something like that? I didn't get like into that? it a lot the because it seems to me that Freddie wasn't overly committed to it. It was more that his father was very deeply right, Zoroastrian right. and he kept hoping that Freddie would be more. I think Freddie played with it a bit, but I don't think he was really deeply into Zoroastrianism at all. I think he was influenced by it a little, but. All right, so um, so we, we've sort of done a bit of geography there, but we know that eventually we wind yes. up in the UK. So what did he do there? What did he what did he do at what did he do? Oh, I think college? he studied he art do? or design or something. I, but it's something like that from memory. Um, but he floated around the music scene, you know, went to clubs and pubs and stuff like that, um, listening to bands. Um, and he was actually um, rooming with the lead singer of a band called Smile. And when he decided to leave Smile, he actually suggested Freddie or Farouk um, Bulsara, as he was known at the time. But he'd already started to change his name to Freddie. And it was not long after that that he also changed his last name to Mercury. OK. And then so because, um, you know, it's a well-known story, but we've got to talk about it. So then he gets invited to join the band. And um... yeah, so the, the movie presents it slightly differently than what actually happened, he was suggested by Tim, according to, to the research that I did. The movie presents him as just walking up to um, Brian and Roger after a gig and they've just lost Tim and they're, oh, what are we going to do? And Freddie suggests, well, what about me? Um, but I don't know how much truth there is in that. Um, obviously, Roger and Brian were part of that movie and they agreed to it being presented that way. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't heard any confirmation that that anything like that occurred, but who knows? And so, so Freddie becomes their front man, and um, because Tim had also started learning bass, he was their bassist. Um, and so they went through about four bassists be before they settled on John Deacon. Um, and so then you have Queen, and and uh, somewhere around in there, uh, Freddie also suggests they change their name to Queen from Smile. Um, and I think that happens before John Deacon joins. Um, and he also uh, develops the, qu the the crest that they have, the logo. I mentioned it earlier. Mm. We might as well talk about it now. And um, I find it fascinating. So talk us through Yeah, it's an logo. interesting thing because Queen's playing uh, – sorry, Freddie's playing around with a lot of stuff. And he not only develops the way that they write Queen, but he also develops that logo. And he presents it to the band and the band's happy with it. And it, it sort of – it changes who the band is to some degree, but they're all happy with, yeah, this is, this is good. And it, and it works in their favor, it seems to me. But yeah, the, the way that he's trying to present it is, oh, I'm trying to think about exactly how to say this. Um, but there's more of that, if I can call it glam rock type of thinking behind Freddie's uh, approach. 
Um, and I think in his personal life, Freddie's mind and, and thinking is heading in that sort of direction um, as well. But the crest includes the zodiac signs of all four of these band members. Um, so you've got two Leos, um, and you'll have to remind me the other two. I think Virgo is one of them, is it? And yeah, so as you said, the logo incorporates the zodiac signs of all four members of the band. So there are two lions, um, you know, for Leo. So John Deacon and Roger Ta- Taylor are Leos. Um, there's a crab for Cancer, which is Brian May, and two fairies for Virgo, um, being Freddie Mercury. Yeah, so that's it is uh, four members. What are we taking anything from that, or is it just because he's that sort of artistic sort of person, or is there well, more meaning to this? Well, I don't know. I, I didn't get a clear answer, but there does seem to be evidence that he didn't put too much um, stock in in astrology. I think it was more of a uh, an artistic thing for him, and it was yeah, it was just an artistic inspiration, and it it, it helped provide some color to their logo and make the logo interesting. So we've got the name queen, we've got the logo, we now have all four members of the band, but they've already started um, producing some some hits as far as I can, you might know that history better than me, um, but they have been in the charts already um, with a, a previous um, bass players. Um, and from there, then it starts to really take off and they start to find who they are philosophically, which I think is extremely important. Their lyrics start to have this consistent flow that seems to gather around ideas of nihilism and um, hedonism. And just to explain to people who aren't aware, nihilism is pretty much best summed up in one of the lines of Bohemian Rhapsody, actually, um, which, you know, totally appropriate. Nothing really matters that's nihilism coming from the the latin term nihil meaning nothing so it's sort of as far as i can tell not that dissimilar to friedrich nietzsche was essentially a nihilist not that i've studied this a lot but just from memory hedonism is the idea that pleasure is what's really important so they weren't actually nihilists there was a little bit of mix of nihilism and hedonism and, and and I don't know that they were personally committed to these things. That was just the just where they found inspiration as a band, it seems to me. Yeah, although although the impression you get just impressions because I've never met the guy is that Freddie was right into it was a bit of a um, party animal when it was party Indeed. time he partied, but then he had his own time of introspection and private lot, you know. Um, but I think he sounds like a bit of a party I, th- I think Freddie was much more committed to both of those philosophies than the rest of the band. And and essentially yeah. he took them along for the ride. I think – so Brian wrote a song, Keep Yourself Alive, which was yeah, I think their first, first hit yeah. single, actually. Yeah. Uh, their first hit single, um, Keep Yourself Alive, Brian wrote that to mock the idea of – you know what that song's talking about, but Freddie actually picked that. So this is one of the, I think the first song that that, that Freddie picks up and and turns into a hit. He actually changes the lyrics so that it changes the meaning of the song, and they're not mocking it; they're actually promoting the idea of keep yourself alive. So it flips it on its head. So I think Brian's thinking was a little bit different than Freddie's, at least initially, um, and I think Brian sort of 
came to more of Freddy's conclusion to some degree. He agreed more with Freddy at the end than at the beginning. And there are quotes that he says that, that sort of give you that impression. I did have one of them somewhere, but I don't have it in front of me. I know I've seen it. I actually, I actually wanted to read the, the, the words for keep yourself alive because I think people can see the point, um, that, you know, we're trying to make. So, so here's the lyrics and, as you listen to these lyrics, you probably have the tune going in your head, but I won't try to sing it. I was told a million times of all the troubles in my way. Mind you, grow a little wiser, a little better every day. But if I crossed a million rivers and I rode a million miles, then I'd still be where I started, bread and butter, for a smile. So there's the idea of you don't actually go anywhere. No matter what you do, you end up in the same place. Um, so a bit nihilistic. Well, I sold a million mirrors in a shopping alleyway, but I never saw my face in any window any day. Now they say you, your folks are telling you be a superstar, but I'll, I tell you just be satisfied. Stay right where you are. Keep yourself alive. Yeah, keep yourself alive. Oh, it'll take you all your time and money. Honey, you'll survive. So there's a little bit of a difference. If you go and check, um, Brian May's original lyrics, this is more Freddie Mercury, and I'm, I, I didn't study this enough um, to be to be clear on which one was more of the nihilist. What was the difference? I I haven't bothered to do that, um, but it's more about what made Queen famous. What you're hearing in this is a bit of nihilism, but it's also a bit of yeah, you can do it. So it's not really nihilism. <laughs> it's 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 a little bit of a mix, right? Um, and then it keeps going. I've loved a million women in a belladonic haze. So there's the hedonism. And I ate a million dinners brought to me on silver trays. Give me everything I need to feed my body and my soul and I'll grow a little bigger. Maybe that can be my goal. So they're saying we're not sure what we're doing. Maybe that can be my goal. They haven't decided yet. I was told a million times of all the people in my way how I had to keep on trying and get better every day. But if I crossed a million rivers and I rode a million miles, then I'd still be where I started. Same as where I started. Same as when I started. Do you think you're better every day? No. I just think I'm two steps nearer to my grave. Wow, does that sound like Bohemian Rhapsody? And I was yeah. planning to go straight from that into Bohemian Rhapsody, if you don't mind. Mm, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and see. I'm just a poor boy. I need no sympathy because I'm easy come, easy go. Do you notice how it's still switching from nihilism to, to hedonism a little bit? And it's still a little bit undecided. Little high, little low. In my opinion, right? I'm just giving my opinion, my interpretation of this. Other people might interpret it otherwise. Any way the wind blows doesn't really matter to me. That is a key line, it seems to me. And I'll explain why when we finish the song, because that's where the song finishes. Mama just killed a man, put a gun against his head, pulled my trigger. Now he's dead. Mama, life had just begun, but now I've gone and thrown it all away. Mama, ooh, didn't mean to make you cry. If I'm not back again this time tomorrow, carry on, carry on. As if nothing really matters too late my time has come sends shivers down my spine body's aching all the time goodbye everybody i've got to go got to leave you all behind and face the truth and um i'm going to foreshadow where we may head with this later on but i'm a committed biblical christian i listen to something like that and i think are you talking about the judgment you're going to stand before god in judgment that's immediately jumping into my head 
Mama, ooh, I don't want to die. I sometimes wish I'd never been born at all because he doesn't want to face the judgment. And he also doesn't want to submit to God, in my opinion. All right, that's what I'm hearing as I listen to this. I see a little silhouette of a man, Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the Fandango Thunderbolts and Lightning very, very frightening me. Galileo, 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 Figaro Magnifico. I don't know what to make of that. I think that's just nonsense. Um, I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family, sparing his life from this monstrosity. Right? Well, I'm not going to rush through these lyrics as quickly because I think we're back to our theme again. Spare him his life from this monstrosity. Easy come, easy go. Will you let me go? Bismillah. Do you know what Bismillah is? So Bismillah is an Arabic phrase, which Freddie would have been familiar with growing up on the border of an uh, you know Arabic Muslim country. Bismillah means by the will of Allah. No, we will not let you go. Let him go. Bismillah. We will not let you go. Let him go. Bismillah. There's this war going on. There's, in my opinion, there's a tug for his soul going on. And one of the beings here is mentioned later on. Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me. And so we've got this never let you go. Let me go. Never let you go. Let me go. No, 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 no. Oh, Mamma Mia. Now, this was fascinating to me because Mamma Mia is used by Italian Catholics to mean the Virgin Mary. Is that what's going on here? I don't know. It's just all very fascinating to me. Maybe, Maybe I'm going too deep, but I don't know. I'm just trying to make some sense of it because that's what we as humans do. So you think you can stop me and spit in my eye. So we get to the, you know, the grand. So you think you can stop me? I said I wasn't going to sing. Sorry. And spit in my eye. (laughs) What is going on there? Is that the singer saying that? Or is there something deeper going on? Part of me wonders, is he speaking for God now? Because that's what God says to us. Do you think you can stop me and spit in my eye? Yeah, yeah. Um, because there is a seems like two forces pulling here, as you're pointing out, which is part of Zoroastrianism, right? It's dualism, uh, Christianity, right? You've got, you know, you've got God versus Satan, and we haven't even touched on Beelzebub yet. We haven't spoken about who this. Well, we can stop and talk about Beelzebub now. I think that's either the devil or one of his major henchmen, um, one of the top demons or the top demon, um, if you subscribe to that interpretation of reality, which is how I look at it. Right, because it's commonly interpreted as Lord of the Flies, because Baal is Lord and, and Zibab, they think, you know, it's from the old world and it's um, uh, Lord of the Flies or God, God of the Flies. And, you know, there was a ancient... Middle Eastern uh, God, who, when thoughts or ideas connected with that personage, flies, death, stink, rot, surrounded that being, right? Um, and I think, and I think with the idea of flies coming out of that being's mouth, something to do with that. But definitely in, um, let's say, Judeo-Christian terms, um, we would say Lord of the Flies or, you know, um, God of the Flies. So I'm not sure if it's Satan himself, because I'm not saying it is. But And I'm also not saying that that was Freddy's understanding. This is my interpretation of what's going on. 
And, and as a committed Christian that, you know, studies the Bible carefully, I'm 100% convinced that that is the only way that it can be rightly understood. Um, you know, if, if I'm understanding what, what, you know, what's going on here correctly, I could be misinterpreting what's happening in Freddie's head as these lyrics pour out. Um, and Freddie never explained it. He just said, that's you, you interpret it. He, he left it up to people. So, you know, maybe I'm trying too hard, but, um, you know, I think there's at least something to what I'm saying that, that is interesting to consider. So you think you can stop me and spit in my eye. So you think you can love me and leave me to die. So I'm back to thinking, well, maybe it's not that this is God speaking. Maybe this is Freddie saying to God, so you've created me, you love me, but you've left me to die. Oh, baby, you can't do this to me, baby. Oh, well, maybe it's it's his lover or something. I don't know. Just got to get out. Just got to get right out of here. Nothing really matters. Now, this is where I'll go back to. No, I think my initial interpretation is closer to the truth, because what's he talking about? Get out of where? Everything. Nothing really matters. Anyone can see. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters to me. And then they finish with that almost whispered, anyway, the wind blows, which earlier he had said, anyway, the wind blows doesn't really matter. Now we've reversed it. Nothing really matters to me. Anyway, the wind blows. Now, here's another fascinating thing. If you're a Christian in Greek, the language that the New Testament, we believe as Christians, was inspired in the word for wind is pneuma, which is the same word for spirit any way the holy spirit blows is that what he's saying i don't know but it's worth thinking about okay so let's just say for argument's sake that what we've just discussed here is close to what he's getting at because we don't know and like you said he never said um which is you know a mystery in itself because that song like it's one of the most well-known songs well, uh, it's, in it's, the universe. It's been voted the number one rock song of all time. Right, and, and I can see why. Um, but just say what we're talking about here is close to the mark. Just say it is. What does it mean? So it seems to me, my my best guess, and of course I'm coming from the Christian perspective, my best guess is that if Christianity is true, let's we're assuming that for the sake of this conversation, that the Holy Spirit was working on Freddie and convicting him of, of his sin, and he didn't want to admit it. And so it seems to me early in his life, before he joined Queen, he was already thinking these things, because Bohemian Rhapsody is an amalgamation of three songs that Freddie had already written, and he amalgamated them into this one song. And, and you can hear pretty much as you go through it, there's three songs, and he's done very successfully merged them into one it's it's brilliant They're like it's just amazing it's almost inspired but let's move on i think that freddie was wrestling against his own conscience and so he turns to nihilism in my opinion to justify his hedonism and i think you see that as you go through his songs and compare it to his life and i don't think i'm far off the truth if Christianity is true, which I'm totally convinced of, but people can disagree with me on that. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, that's a very good interpretation. I knew you'd have some thoughts on it, and I think I like it. Um, only like him and God know, so, uh, or, or some of his closest friends that have a better idea than we do. 
Um, but but I'd say I'd say it a dozen times if I have to. It's just our opinion. Um, but I'd say there'd be people that were close to him who didn't really know him. You know what I mean? Um, they just saw the side of Freddie that he wanted to reveal to them, like we all do. We all show our different faces to different um, groups of people that we're with, right? Or different people that we're with. And there would have been people who would have had no idea what was really going on, but there'd be people alive today who had a, would have a far better idea than us two nobodies down here in the <laughs> land of Oz who are just um, <laughs> having a little dig and a little discussion and doing a bit of philosopher rock interpretation, a bit of comparative stuff, Christianity, hedonism, nihilism. That's all we're doing here and really wanted to give people something to think about. And, and we're just giving you our opinions. You don't have to agree with us. Don't get upset with us. It's just our opinion. No, no, no. Don't smash your phone or your pod or your whatever, you know, the screen at YouTube, whatever. Um, or start sending nasty emails to <laughs> GK. <laughs> no, 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 don't want them. Um, so I, I, I want to ask you, you know, why do you care? Because, you know, you said you're a new fan and, you know, it's fascinating and, you know, they're brilliant. That, that song's brilliant. They're brilliant. But I, I know there's a couple of things that have touched you um, deeply to get your attention because this is not your style of music. I know you well. This is my style. I love prog rock. I like hard rock, you know. I like everything, to be honest. Um, there's a couple of things I don't get into. But, you know, I like everything. Um, so what, what, what is it that grabbed you that? Yeah. So it's a, it's a fascinating thing because it, you're right. It's not really my music, but it's also not music that I especially hate. Um, so really heavy, um, metal. Um, you know, the, the, the screaming and the wailing guitars. I'm not so much into that, but. If the words are good, I can get into it a bit. And Queen, that's that's part of the appeal that I find in Queen. But there was particularly in the movie, there was this line, and I don't even know how real it was, but I think it touches on a truth at least, even if the, the line itself wasn't didn't actually happen. There's a truth about Queen that links back to what we we're talking about earlier of this broad appeal of Queen. And there's a line that Freddie says to the promoter, and he's saying, what does Queen offer? And they think about it. And Freddie looks up in, you know, in the movie presentation, he looks up and thinks about it for a second. And then he says, we're here for the outsiders. We're here for the people at the back of the room. And I may not have got it exactly right. But the idea is those people who are not accepted by anybody else will accept them. Those people that feel lonely, those people that feel like they're outsiders and rejected, and we're here for them. Because I think that's how Freddie thought of himself. And so he wanted to appeal to those other people. I think part of it is because he was, in the movie presentation, he gets called a packy. But he's not from Pakistan. He's, he's actually originally his heritage is Iran, um, Persian. Um, but he's, he's actually from India and then Zanzibar. And, um, and so, yeah, like you said earlier, he's Parsi, um, which is the other side of India from Pakistan. But, you know, that was the sort of racism that was in Britain, at least w with some people at the time. Yeah. Not all of them. Um, all and of them. so not everyone. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. not all of them. And, and, and today, not all of them either, but it still exists today as well. Um, but he saw himself as an outsider and he saw Queen. He saw this band as a vehicle for him to appeal to others who were outsiders. And I think there's a bit of that in their music as well. You, you mentioned prog rock and the idea of prog there is progressive. 
and you could look at that as just musically, but I think there's something philosophically going on there as well. It's overturning the system and, and breaking down barriers. And some people look at that as all bad and some people look at it as all good. No, it's a bit mixed. Um, there are some barriers that are actually good and shouldn't be torn down, <laughs> um, but there are some that absolutely do need to be torn down. And, um, and another thing I will add from a personal point of view, the reason I took the Queen is along these ideas and these lines that you're talking about, because I definitely was an outsider. Um, a lot of young people feel like left out and outside. Now, uh, growing up in uh, Australia and New Zealand in the 70s uh, and the 80s, there was this definite, and, and I, I know for certain in the UK as well, there was definitely a structure there where some of us were outsiders we were um you know we weren't welcome in the mainstream for a lot of reasons not to, i'm not talking race here but for but some of it would have been but not not just those reasons you know and um uh, young people can feel left out or pushed out and they're looking for an identity and they're looking for a group to join a team to join up with because there's strength in numbers it's human nature we know that um it's just part of who we are and how we operate and so you're looking for a team someone you can identify with and for me as a as a young person, Queen was it, and it was the reasons you've just outlined, and and it struck me in the heart, and um and that's why I was um, a very devoted fan and was happy to wear that shirt everywhere I went until it fell off me, you know. It's funny I might mention this here too. Um, now we won't get into this too much, but um you know the the um, Adam Lambert version of Queen, um my my son went and saw them last year. Uh, in the UK, and he said that, you know, because he's seen a lot of bands, like he's seen more bands than I, I have. Uh, I thought I've seen a few, but he he's seen a lot of groups. He's seen all the big ones, all the little ones, some you've never heard of, and he just said that the Adam, Lam, Adam, Adam Lambert um, version of Queen was brilliant. Now, he doesn't use those terms too often, how good, you know, he'll say, oh, they're all right. Like, he, he'll tell you, if he goes and sees... Red Hot Chili Peppers, he's seen them multiple times. If they're not on their game, he'll tell you. Um, and so he said that that version of Queen was brilliant. Now, I never saw Queen. I, I, I probably never will, but they're still um, reaching people today. So I think it's important that we get a bit of an understanding of what their their uh, their agenda is. And as we just sort of agreed and said, um, sometimes these things, these agendas aren't all negative. Sometimes they're positive. So... But we have to, as human beings who are experiencing media, we have to have some discernment and decide for ourselves, from our worldview, is this something that I'm into or is it something I reject or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I know, I'm not talking down to people. I know most of the people that are listening to me now completely understand and didn't need me to tell them that. Yeah, and, it, and it's a little more complicated than just deciding whether to reject or accept. We can reject or accept pieces. Um, and, and we do that naturally. Um, but it's good to be aware of it. It's good to be self-aware and, and just check that, you know, am I thinking carefully about what I'm doing, what I'm letting in and what I'm, and you make that decision. I'm not going to tell people what to do. Um, I have my own opinions about it, but that's, you know, we're not here to push a particular position. If, if you were to be able to sit down with, uh, Freddie Mercury, right, and, and have a, have a chat to him, there's, this is a two-part question, right? Now, I've, if you had the chance to sit down and talk to Freddie, what would you ask him, right? Part two, because I'm going to let you take over now. What would you say to him? Because they're two different things. I mean, I'm glad you asked it the way you did, because I would be far more interested in asking him questions 
um, at least initially, and 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 trying to open him up a little bit. Like I'd like to get to know him before I even started trying to ask him. So I'd ask questions to to get to form a little bit of a relationship with him. Um, but after I'd had that opportunity to, um, you know, to help him see that, you know, I'm not this nasty, you know, Bible bashing, you know, fanatic that that some Christians can sometimes be. The number one question that I would want to ask him, well, I, I'd probably start with, what do you think happens when you die? And we might discuss that a little bit. And then I'd say to him, do you think that you're a good person? And like most people, he would probably say yes. Because nearly everyone has themselves as their standard. And they go, yeah, I'm a good person. I don't do things that are that bad. There's those people over there. They're bad people because they do things worse than that. But then I'd say to him, well, have have you ever told a lie? And and what do you call someone who tells a lie? Well, they're a liar. Have you ever stolen anything? And And nearly every one of us has. There's very few people that can honestly say they've never stolen anything, including downloading music from the Internet, although that wasn't in Freddie's day. But, you know, there's there's heaps of ways we can steal. Um, and, and that's a thief. But but worse than that, you've now admitted that you're a lying thief. And I, I wouldn't say it in quite that way, but I want people to understand what I'm driving at here as a Christian. I want people to understand what God's standard is. God's standard is absolute perfection, sinless perfection. And we all fall short of it. This is such a scary thing. This is the major reason that most people reject Christianity, because there's this high standard. Even even the forms of Christianity that don't agree exactly with this position still have some sort of standard that people don't like. But we need to realize, you people listening that may be Christians, you need to realize that the standard isn't, um, oh, you know, you can do as well as you think you can, and that's good enough. No, that's not God's standard. God's standard, Matthew 5:48, Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And people go, oh, but that word perfect there just means mature. Yeah, but listen to the rest of the verse. How mature as God is? How mature is God? Well, absolutely sinlessly perfect. This is impossible. But this is only the first Mm. half of the story. Please keep listening because I want you to understand the full Christian message as presented in the Bible, at least as as I understand what it's teaching. Um, I mean, if anybody's interested in in chatting to me, I have an email address, servantofjesuschrist86 at gmail.com. I have a YouTube channel. So I would love... I would love for you to reach out to me. My email address, servantofjesuschrist86 at gmail.com. Please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. But if you're interested in having a conversation, I'm not shoving anything down your throat. I'm just telling you what I believe the Bible teaches. I'd love to talk to you. If I'm right, nothing is more important than what I'm telling you right this second. If I'm right, right? So please reach out to me if you want to, if you want to discuss this. So it's not just that the standard is impossible. We've got to never lie, never steal. And I'll give you two more examples. Never blaspheme God's name. Never, ever use God's name in a way that is disrespectful. If you have, you're guilty of blasphemy. And Jesus also said, if you lust, you are guilty of adultery in your heart. Adultery in your heart. You're not guilty of adultery in your body. You're guilty of adultery in your heart. So you're condemned there as well. And I think there are very few people 
that won't find out if they honestly go through that. Well, I'm a lying, thieving, blasphemous adulterer at heart. I'm going to be guilty before God. He's going to have to send me to hell if there's nothing else to this. But there is. There is. So what did God do, GK, so that we don't have to go to hell? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, who is actually God in human flesh. He himself died in our place. He bore our sin. He paid the price. It's like you're standing in the courtroom and you've driven at 50 miles an hour through a school zone set aside for a blind children's convention and the speed limit was five miles an hour and you just zipped through there. You missed the sign. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. You're guilty. There's a million dollar fine because you could have run over hundreds of little kids who would never, never had a, had a clue. They would have heard a sound, but they wouldn't have known where you were. They would. And so there's a million dollar fine or you killed three prostitutes after raping them and you murdered them and you go, Oh, they're only prostitutes. No, they're women made in the image of God. Choices that they may have made does not destroy the image of God that they're made in. If Christianity is true. And so you'll get this is what I would want to say to Freddie Mercury or to anybody else who wanted to talk to me. There's nothing more important than this. You're standing in God's courtroom. You're guilty. You can't pay the fine. And so you're going to go to his jail for eternity. And you're not getting three square meals a day and you've got TV. And the Bible talks about it being eternal torment. And I don't want you to go there. God doesn't want you to go there according to the Bible. And so Jesus died in your place. All you have to do is trust him. You just accept his gift of eternal life and he rescues you from his hell. He's paid the fine for you. He's handing you a blank check called eternal life. Now you can stand there and say, oh no, I'm a good person. I don't need any of that. Or yeah, I've made some mistakes, but I'll work it off. No, you won't. You can't. You need to accept the gift. Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. Don't be stubborn. Trust him. He loves you overwhelmingly. And he's done everything besides force you to believe. Just trust him. That's what I'd want to say to Freddie. So if if someone who hasn't really heard this message before or heard it and ignored it, what do they actively have to do? What do, we, what, what do they do, uh, you know, like right now, hearing our voices now, if they wanted to make a choice? Um, what, what do they do? So what the Bible says we have to do is repent and trust Jesus Christ. And um, let's let's go carefully through that, because there's a, a, a lot of misunderstanding about this. People misunderstand what repent means, and they also misunderstand what it means to, to believe in Christ. So first of all, repentance. Repentance is not some work that you do. It's not you changing your life. And let me get that out of the way very early on. That's a very dangerous. It, it really is completely against what scripture teaches because you can't change your life that's works gospel you can do nothing to earn the gift of salvation which is what you're trying to do by trying to change your life repentance simply means a change of mind the greek word is metanoia which means another thinking or another mind or a change of mind is the idea that's all repentance is and what are you changing your mind about well you're changing your mind from trusting yourself and thinking that sin's okay and and resisting the holiness of God and his grace to trusting Jesus, and which is the other side of it, is trust Jesus, believe in Jesus. Now, we say this word believe, 
And in our culture, it comes from Greek thinking, which is totally opposed to Hebrew thinking, which is Bible thinking, is we separate between the thoughts that are going on in our head and how we live our lives. No, the Bible thinking, God's way of thinking, is that you change your life. It affects your whole life based on your thinking. If your thinking is one thing and your actions is another, you don't really think those things. You think something else. You can't say that you believe this, but your actions betray you. Your actions speak way louder than your words. So trusting Jesus is a total commitment. It's not just a maybe I'll I'll give it a go and let's see what happens. No, total surrender to him. Not in your actions, in your belief. He'll change your actions. Yeah, because um, what will happen anyway is that what what you change your mind to is how you will you will act for the most for the most part don't get me wrong it's not you know i'm not talking about something perfection here but if you think a certain way you'll tend to act a certain way so you might get someone to say but i can't stop doing this right whatever this is say it's something they know that's wrong i don't know let's say let's just go theft theft is an easy one to talk about um you know i can't you know i just can't stop stealing from work you know stealing that pen i don't know um, but if you change the way you think about theft, you'll change the way you act about theft, right? So your, your thoughts, because you want to, because you want to, you want, you know, look, I think essentially, this is what I believe, I think essentially, if you put this to people, they want to do the right thing, right? What, whatever that right thing is, let's say it's Christianity, they want to do that, but we find it difficult because, you know, we're, we're living in these fleshly bodies and we're, you know, dragged around by all our desires, right? But if you change the way you think and you put your trust in God through Jesus, then you'll change the way you act and then you will be able to solve a lot of these issues. But I will say a lot of these things won't happen overnight, but at least you have, because we're all on a journey, right? We're all on a journey. People come from different perspective. People got different uh, parts of the journey they're on. You're obviously a mature Christian, so you can talk about these things and um, you can quote Bible verses, right? Um, but some of us, it's like, wow, this sounds like a, a difficult journey. So that's what I'm trying to say. It's not. It's change the way you think, trust in God, believe in Jesus, take a first step, and then keep walking. Uh, and so just to break it down and make it a little bit more simple... Um, but I think, I think I agree with you. Um, just one thing I wanted to say, you know, I've seen a lot of interviews. Um, there's been, there's a couple of good documentaries that have been on TV a couple of times now over the last couple of years about Queen and about Freddie Mercury himself, right? And what I noticed in the interviews this is why I asked you, if you had the chance to sit down and talk to Freddie, what would you ask and what would you say? What I wanted to tell you is what I noticed in a lot of the interviews now, I know he's in the spotlight, the cameras are running, it's not private. I notice he's very obtuse. He does a lot of avoidance, like he doesn't really, you know, he, he sort of avoids anything um, too much, and then he's quite flippant. Well, I'll do this, darling, or, you know, oh, darling, you've got that right, you know, whatever. Um, so he can be quite flippant. And um, that's a good tactic um, if you're not really wanting to go into de- too deep yourself. You don't want to reveal, reveal too much. But that's fine when the lights are on and the cameras are rolling. You know what I mean? I think I accept that. If you're a private person, whatever, I, I get it. And you don't want to share like some people share, overshare. You know what I mean? 
So I just thought I'd throw that in as well, my observation of him in the interviews that I've seen over the last couple of years that were very telling on his obtuse behaviour um, on direct questions that he doesn't want to talk about. It would just be flippant. Oh, darling, that's... Yeah, and I I don't think it's controversial to say that he was trying to hide that he was gay, and it's only the day before he died that he revealed that he had HIV. Right, because it was a different world that he grew up in as well. I suspect part of it was that he didn't want the judgment, but I have the feeling, so this is a little more controversial, I have the feeling that he was hiding from God as well. So it would prick his conscience to admit the truth about that, and then, you know, ah, then he's got to deal not just with the the attacks and all of that sort of thing, but he's wrestling with his conscience already. And so that's part of his avoidance behaviour, in my opinion. All right, yeah, it might have been, yeah. Not just the fact that the era he grew up with um, being um, homosexual was frowned upon uh, much more than it is now. It's it's You're saying it's actually more than just that. Yeah, he's trying to hide from God, in my opinion. <laughs> Another thing, just another opinion, I think we all have an essential, uh, all of us, every human, I think we all have an essential, let's say, belief that, you know, there's a higher power, there is a God. I think we all know yes. that um, yeah. d- deep down. And, um, you know, a lot of us deny it uh, because we don't want to deal with it because it's easier that way. Um, and, yeah, there, there might have been a bit of that. But definitely, definitely a fascinating character, definitely a brilliant uh, uh, musician, uh, oh yes so talented and performer entertainer oh, wow oh boy yes yes and it was interesting you mentioned adam lambert earlier because i think adam lambert is as close as we've come to someone like freddie um and adam lambert not quite the same you know he has his differences but not quite as appealing as freddie as well but very close um, it, it, like I do see that same sort of ability to entertain, very talented, very, very interesting, like, you know, very appealing sort of performer. Yeah. Well, and, and I think purists will, 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 um, will not want us to make the comparisons. They're not purists. They're not going to enjoy that. Um, I get that, but, you know, I'm not a, when it comes to Queen, I'm not a purist. I, um, you know, we've got to accept that, uh, Freddie's gone and the band has moved. I don't, I, Oh man, I don't even want to say moved on, but yeah, the band, the, the show <laughs> yes. must go on, and I reckon the show must go on. The show must go. go on, and I reckon that's what he'd want. I don't, I don't know him, I don't know him, but the impression I get, he'd say, "Carry on, darlings." You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and then you've also got "Can't Stop Me Now," which is Freddie saying, you know, I think he knew he had um, HIV when he when he penned that song, right? Um, and Brian May actually didn't like that song because he saw it as celebrating Freddie's hedonistic and risky lifestyle. Um, but he slowly changed his mind on that, that that was who Freddie was. Um, and he was more prepared to accept, you know, that was Freddie's lifestyle. And um, maybe Freddie was more right than he had thought originally, although I'm more inclined to agree with early Brian on that. <laughs> 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 you know all right well as we come to an end here graham um i know there's one more topic you want to cover um so we want to talk a little bit about a song that's off the 1986 queen album a kind of magic yeah the song title who wants to live forever so uh, yeah so I'll, I'll just read the lyrics and 
it's fascinating to me as a Christian to think about these lyrics in light of some of the things we've talked about. And I'd like to to use this song as a little bit of an appeal for you to think about the claims that I've made. You don't have to accept them, but but please try and think about this a little bit. The song says there's no time for us. There's no place for us. What is this thing that builds our dreams yet slips away from us? And then the song asks, who wants to live forever? And repeats that question. Then the next verse, there's no chance for us. It's all decided for us. Is it? Ooh. Uh, This world has only one sweet moment set aside for us. Well, that's partly true. And then again it asks, who wants to live forever? And repeats the question. And then the song asks, who dares to love forever? Ooh, interesting question. And then when love must die. Oh, must it? But touch my tears with your lips. Touch my world with your fingertips. And we can have forever. We can love forever. Forever is our today is it today is forever Hmm. who wants to live forever who wants to live forever forever is our today who waits forever anyway fascinating things to think about now from a christian perspective i probably have a very different view on what's actually going on there Um, but i want you to think about those thoughts Who wants to live forever? Well, I think fundamentally every human being wants to live forever. We do our best to avoid death. If a truck was barreling down the highway towards you, you would get out of its way. And death is barreling down the highway towards you. Ten out of ten people die, but there's a way to avoid it. And I'd like to suggest to you that that's something worth considering. All right, Graham, well, Look, um, I think I think we will leave it there. I think, yeah, look, I say this a lot in the shows that I do. We could talk about this until the cows come home. I mean, it's such a, uh, there's so much material. Uh, it can be so dense material. Um, but um, anyway, I think we will stop there or else we will be here till midnight. <laughs> Don't stop me now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, people aren't going to want to listen to us uh, rabbiting on for the next three or four hours. But listen, thanks for your time. Um, thanks for your points of view. Um, again, I reiterate, this is just our opinion. Uh, we're not experts. We're more fans than experts. But we do have a lot of respect, both of us, for um, uh, the talent that was Freddie Mercury and the ongoing talent that is Queen. We are both committed Christians and we're happy to share our uh, contrasting views with say the views of their lyrics uh, fine if you disagree fine if you you know whatever um, but that doesn't stop us from having dialogue so if you like to comment please hit the comments let's just say you see this as a YouTube version because this will go up on our website uh, I think Graham will probably post it on his YouTube I don't know um, but I'll, before we go I'll get him to give you his details again but what I'll do is in the notes below here on YouTube and certainly on our website at lightflintradio.com, I will put Graham's details and you can go and look what else he does. Anyway, well, Graham, tell us what you do and tell us where to find you. Let's finish there. 
So on YouTube, I do a lot of streaming, but mostly Bible studies. I'm, I'm 100% committed to believe, like I believe that the Bible is the word of God. And so I want to study it and attempt to explain it and discuss it. Um, you can find me. I'm two places on YouTube. Both of them are Graham Gould, but one's Graham Charles Gould and the other one's Graham Christian Gould. Or you can email me at servantofjesuschrist86 at gmail.com. And I'm fascinated by topics like this. I'm more than happy to discuss. Um, but, yeah, make sure that you come with an attitude to discuss rather than argue or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. And I, I'm, I'm open to other people's other opinions too. Um, mm. It's good, good. All right, mate, thank you very much. And um, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, GK. Okay, that's it. That was episode 13 of Philosopher Rock. If you want more, just go to our website, likeflintradio.com, likeflintradio.com, or you can go to our YouTube channel, Philosopher Rock, Philosopher Rock. If you want to email me, you can contact me at philosopherrock at gmail.com, philosopherrock at gmail.com. Let's finish now with Blackwood Stars and Diadem. Until next time, take care of yourself.